As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Does this feel like chaos right now? Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like chaos. Things continue to change. We're learning more about how different parts of Wisconsin are reacting. A number of counties and cities have begun taking steps to make sure that protections remain in place at the local level. And this question of whether or not these local orders can stay in place is raging again tonight. How can these local governments do this? The court order doesn't apply to local health authorities. You know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if there are challenges brought to those. That's the kind of confusion I think that we were trying to avoid in what the governor had proposed and what we have long been moving towards, which is a, a thoughtful, methodical dialing up of the way that we can bring back Wisconsin's economy. They're open, they're closed, they're open again. What's going on with Wisconsin businesses after last week's monumental Supreme Court decision striking down Safer at Home? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, here once again with my colleague Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Hey, Brian. We are recording on Monday, May 18th, 2020. And as of this morning, restaurants and bars in the city of Milwaukee remain closed under the city's version of a safer at home plan. It's called Moving Milwaukee Forward. However, the city has allowed some retail stores to open, along with hair salons and barber shops, with health related restrictions in place. Now, across the state, most of Wisconsin's 72 counties are allowing restaurants, bars, and other businesses to reopen. But roughly a dozen counties and a few larger cities added their own local orders to replace the statewide safer-at-home plan shot down last week by the state Supreme Court. And to add all the confusion, several of those cities and counties then rescinded their local orders shortly after announcing them. And the legal guidance on that seems to keep changing by the day. On Thursday, the counties of Brown, Calumet, Dane, Door, Eau Claire, Florence, Kenosha, Manitowoc, Milwaukee, Outagamie, and Winnebago counties had all issued local restrictions similar to Safer at Home, as well as the cities of Milwaukee and Racine. But by Friday, several of those counties had rescinded the orders, including Brown County, with one of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19 in the state due to the meat processing plants. And when Brown County backed out, so did neighboring Manitowoc County. Kenosha County rescinded its order on Friday, so did Winnebago and Outagamie counties. And in Milwaukee County, the city of Cudahy had issued its own local order keeping businesses closed. Then they became the first city in Milwaukee to back out and allow bars, restaurants, and other retail establishments to open up. So a whole lot of yo-yos going on in some of these places, Amanda. And obviously the big question, what's with all the yo-yos? Well, a lot of it has to do with just confusion over legal guidance from two entities, the League of Wisconsin Municipalities and the Wisconsin Counties Association. Now, these are organizations that advise their members, whether those are cities and villages for the League of Municipalities or counties for the Wisconsin Counties Association, 
On Thursday, the League of Wisconsin Municipalities posted a statement on its website for its 600 member cities and villages saying it was, quote, unclear, end quote, whether a court would find that they have the authority to issue local restrictions after the Supreme Court shot down the state order. And the Wisconsin Counties Association posted a very similar statement suggesting that a court may in fact find local county orders would suffer from the same deficiencies as the one that was struck down at the state level. So when they posted those things, you had some uh, cities and counties that had issued their own local orders who suddenly said, maybe we shouldn't be doing this after all. So before we get too far into this, I think we should talk about what the state Supreme Court order said, because this wasn't a question about whether safer at home is a good idea. It was about Wisconsin's essentially competing legal statutes about whether the Department of Health Services had the authority to extend safer at home beyond the governor's emergency powers. And so the state Supreme Court ruled, no, Secretary-designee Andrea Palm overstepped her authority as the head of the Department of Health Services when she extended that safer at home order beyond Governor Tony Evers' 60-day window of emergency powers. That's right, and that Supreme Court ruling focused on a specific state statute, and that state statute applies directly to the powers of the Secretary of the Department of Health Services, and that's where a lot of this confusion comes in because it doesn't explicitly say anything about what local health officers at the, at the county level or even municipal level can or cannot do. The question is, does that decision, does that ruling that's focused on what the state's top health official can do have a legal impact on what local health officials can or cannot do? And, and so that becomes a legal question. Obviously, the first thing many communities did when they heard the state order was shot down, those that wanted to keep restrictions in place, is they jumped to draft their own orders. In fact, several larger communities like Milwaukee, uh, Dane County, Kenosha, Racine, they had plans in place ready to go just in case the Supreme Court shot down the state order. So as soon as it happened, many of them put those in place right away. But then those questions started to filter out about, well, wait a minute, do we have the legal right to do it after all? And because it's not explicitly stated in the Supreme Court's decision what local authorities can or cannot do, there's some real confusion over that. What's striking is leaders in the legislature, the Republican-led legislature, said specifically when all of this was unfolding that they thought that these decisions about safer at home should be made at the most local level possible, in part because, generally speaking, that's a conservative principle, but also in part because they were saying different parts of the state are going to have different needs, are going to be experiencing different things with this outbreak. So they're saying these decisions should be made at a local level, and now we're at a point where those local leaders are saying, we don't think this ruling gives us necessarily the power to make that decision. And there's some real question about whether or not that's true. And so in Outagamie County, for example, which is uh, home to the city of Appleton and portions of the suburbs of Green Bay, uh, Outagamie County went straight to Attorney General Josh Call and said, we need your opinion on this. Can we do it or can't we do it? Because Outagamie originally had its own safer at home order and then rescinded that safer at home order out of concerns that it couldn't do so. But they asked for an opinion. And on, uh, I believe it was on Friday, Attorney General Call did issue an opinion. And in that opinion, uh, he lays out 
why he believes, based on the Supreme Court order, local authorities do have the ability to issue these orders, but he cautioned. For example, one of the things in that order the Supreme Court raised was whether or not uh, Secretary-designee Palm could, uh, she didn't just say that these restrictions were in place, but that they were in fact enforceable or punishable by uh, up to 30 days in jail. Um, in, in other words, out, setting out criminal penalties. And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that without fair warning, essentially, in statute that lays out explicitly what's illegal, what's criminal, and and and, and what would result in you being uh, given jail time. And so Attorney General Call cautioned any local agencies or, or cities or counties that would issue their own orders that, yeah, you might be able to do it, but you might also want to be real careful about implementing any sort of criminal punishment that goes along with that. So it raises the question of enforcement. Even if they can have these orders, what can they do to enforce them? And that seems to still be up in the air at this point. And in the Supreme Court case, much was made about the fact that uh, Department of Health Services Secretary-designee Andrea Palm is an unelected leader, right? Because the idea is someone who does not have direct accountability to the people is making these decisions. Well, of course, at the local level, a lot of times the people making these decisions, they are elected leaders. So at first glance, you'd think comparing these two things, that's apples and oranges. But then we're talking about the idea of keeping people at home, which is what prompted this lawsuit. So I'd imagine, and we're seeing the results of that in real time, as these municipalities go back and forth, the great amount of confusion, especially as we see businesses that opened just in the hours after the Supreme Court ruling came down. And I think that was a cause for concern for a lot of people. Well, and obviously the law guides a lot of this, but the law is something that is obviously set and interpreted by people. And people, often politicians, are influenced by the political winds and also just by the will of people. And what you have going on clearly throughout this process is you've got uh, differing sides. Some who say this is a, an extremely serious and dangerous situation and we need to do all we can as long as we can to contain the spread and outbreak of COVID-19. And you have others who say this is devastating to our economy and we need to get these businesses back up and running as soon as possible so people can get jobs and small business owners can survive. And those competing interests have certainly influenced influenced where where this has gone. There's no no doubt that the state Supreme Court is known to have a conservative bent, a 5-2 split. And while the final decision and vote was 4-3 to three because of, of one uh, uh, conservative justice or conservative supported justice, Brian Hagedorn, who, who went along with the dissenters and, and said he didn't think that this should have been uh, this should have been shot down. Uh, it wasn't a surprise that it went that way. And we're seeing at the local level in outstate Wisconsin, Far fewer counties, which tends to be more conservative, far fewer counties have added these restrictions. In municipalities like Milwaukee or in Dane County, where the city of Madison is located, more heavily populated areas and tends to be more liberal or more Democrat, uh, you're seeing those are places that are keeping these orders in place. So politics certainly plays a role in this as well. Um, but in the end, the question is, what are health experts saying? And what does this mean? I think that's really a question that's still sitting out there is, as some places open and others remain closed, what's the practical impact going to be? Because we've heard the soundbite or the quote over and over again that, uh, you know, the coronavirus doesn't know anything about uh, the law or, or, or and it doesn't respect local orders. It, the virus is going to be the virus. So what's the practical impact going to be as this goes on? 
one thing uh, when you were talking a little earlier, Brian, that set off little alarm bells was when you were talking about Cudahy and Brown counties because they rescinded orders in spite of major outbreaks that you've covered at meat processing plants. So what's going on there? What are health officials there saying? Well, I know I've followed most closely the city of Cudahy because I've been reporting, uh, as you know, on the the outbreak at the Patrick Cudahy meat processing plant there. The mayor of Cudahy has for a long time now been uh, uh, interested in getting businesses open. He seems to lean more toward the idea of getting the economy back up and running. And there have been accusations that he's actually been protective of the largest employer in the city, which is Smithfield Foods, which operates the Patrick Cudahy plant. Um, as you know, some of the controversy there was around not releasing the number of cases that were that were uh, being uh, connected to that facility. Now, many of the people who work at Patrick Cudahy do not live in Cudahy itself. They live in areas of uh, the south side of Milwaukee, uh, especially uh, heavily uh, Hispanic populations. And that's where there have been parallel outbreaks. So while there was an outbreak at Patrick Cudahy on the south side of Milwaukee in a heavily populated Hispanic community, there was a similar outbreak. In some cases, the question became, was this an outbreak at the plant that was leading to community spread, or was this a community outbreak that was then sort of filtering its way over to, to the plant? It's, it's really impossible to say right now which came first, the chicken or the egg, but we do know this. We know that that outbreak was a serious concern for health officials, and it's something that we've seen at meat processing plants all over the country. So if in the community of Cudahy, they open up businesses quickly, and you still have an issue with uh, a number of infected people at the plant, is that going to exacerbate the problem just at a time when they feel like maybe they've gotten it under control? That's something, I guess, that remains to be seen. It's definitely a topic of conversation. And interestingly, Amanda, there is a Facebook page in Cudahy called um, Cudahy Town Hall. It's not an official government-sponsored page. It's one that a couple of local community members started up, but it's got a very big following to the point that the city of Cudahy had to post on some of its bulletin boards around town at the post office and city hall that that is not not an official city government site, but a lot of people follow what's going on there. One of the leaders of that website, one of the administrators of that Facebook page, changed the name after Cudahy decided to rescind its Safer at Home order. They changed the name to COVID A Town Hall. And I think it was intended to be a temporary sort of a joke, sort of a lark. But what they found out was Facebook doesn't allow you to change the name back for 25 days. So Cudahy Town Hall is now for the next few weeks, COVID Day Town Hall, and that has spawned all sorts of controversy on that page. And in fact, it even prompted someone to break off and start their own Cudahy Town Hall Facebook page to try to draw people away to something they felt was a little more grown up and mature. At least that's the way they put it. So you can just see the controversy boiling under all of these things especially in places where we know uh, this issue is particularly sensitive. One thing Governor Tony Evers has been saying a lot over the last few days as he's made the media rounds is that right now Wisconsin is the Wild West. And my question is, in these municipalities that do not have their own safer at home orders, is it the Wild West? Can people just do whatever they want what, with whatever's going on with coronavirus right now? Certainly we know that health officials don't want it to be the Wild West. And a lot of, even in communities where there are no official restrictions, the leaders are saying things to say, look, we still need to be cautious and careful in how we roll things out. But 
Is it the Wild West? I mean, you look at what happened with, for instance, Nick's Bar, which I believe, uh, as you've told me, is a Platteville bar. But that, that's one that made rounds uh, news-wise across the country. It was in the Washington Post. Um, the night that the Supreme Court here shot down Safer at Home, they opened up and the place was packed. No one was respecting social distancing. They weren't wearing masks. That image has sort of come to represent what has happened here in Wisconsin since uh, the order was rescinded. But in reality, most places don't seem to be rushing to open up and crowd people together. Even in communities that don't have restrictions, a lot of bars and restaurants remain closed because they weren't prepared to open so quickly. They were shooting for a target of Memorial Day weekend when the original order was set to expire. Even the ones that do open, many are implementing uh, you know, they're setting their bar stools farther apart or their, their tables farther apart. They might be adding, uh, you know, uh, certain types of masks or PPE for their staff members. They're taking precautions uh, that they may not be required to take, but because they recognize this is still a pandemic and COVID-19 is still a thing. So whether it could be the Wild West legally in some places, maybe so, but there's certainly still concern and it's that concern is being expressed by public health officials and by community leaders. In the city of Waukesha, as an example, Waukesha County's health officer uh, is the health officer for the entire county. That includes the municipalities. And Waukesha County did not issue a, a safer at home order to replace the state order. The mayor of Waukesha, Sean Riley, told me he believes he still has the legal authority to issue one on his own, but he's choosing not to. Nonetheless, he said he is still strongly encouraging businesses to consider a slow opening, a progressive opening um, in stages to respect social distancing and all of these other concerns. And he said he's very concerned, and he that's a direct quote, very concerned, about another spike in cases. Uh, because, as he said, the coronavirus doesn't really respect these orders. It doesn't know that Safer at Home is over. Um, and so he is concerned and is going to be watching closely to see what happens with the numbers. Uh, now, I don't know if that's an indication of if the numbers start to surge, will he consider implementing some sort of local restrictions? Will other communities do that? I think that's a really interesting thing to watch because it's much harder to put the cat back in the bag. Once you've allowed these businesses to reopen and sort of the economy to get moving again, can you imagine going back and saying you've got to shut down again? But if the numbers start to justify that, will we see it? I think that's really the big question to watch going forward right now. Well, and it's re that's going to be the dance that we're doing for the next several months, right? Because there's been a lot of talk about what happens in the fall when there's potentially a second wave of this. We don't have a vaccine right now. So this isn't a matter of just waiting the virus out. And I think that's actually why uh, the safer at home order, the extension of the statewide order until May 26, part of the reason it was so controversial was because it felt like an arbitrary date because we knew that on May 26, COVID-19 was still going to be a concern because at that point we would not have a vaccine. The question is, how do we make sure that we're not just totally shut down for the next 18 months because that's how long it could take? Uh, but at the same time, how do we make sure we're protecting ourselves? And so over the next few months, there's going to be this really awkward dance that we're all doing where we're seeing how much can we venture out and when do we have to scurry back in?
Well, and when this first broke last week, I interviewed on Thursday morning, the day, or, or I think it was Thursday. When, when I'm asking out what loud here, Amanda. What, 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 what day? What day was the Supreme Court decision? Was that Wednesday? I believe that was it Wednesday was. night. It was Wednesday. So Thursday, I interviewed uh, the executive director of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities, and and he said that. He thought these local ordinances, this he called it a patchwork of, of uh, orders across the state, that they would only be relevant for a few days because he said there was hope that the state legislature and Governor Evers would get together and replace Safer at Home with something, some sort of a compromise. And the issue with Safer at Home, the Supreme Court's view, was that the legislature was injured. The legislature wasn't consulted as the rulemaking process requires. So if the two sides were to get together and come up with a statewide order, that would seemingly pass muster. The question is, and it's I think it's a one that a lot of people would almost maybe uh, chuckle at at this point is the idea that it would just take a few days for the legislature and the governor to get together and come up with a compromise. That doesn't seem to be particularly likely right now, at least what we've heard so far. But that is certainly something people are watching. Can they come up with some kind of a statewide plan that makes local plans unnecessary? Well, and it sounds like there's been a lot of change uh, when you talk to the leaders of the legislature about how they want to do that, because at first they were really advancing the idea of a regional approach. And when the Supreme Court struck down Safer at Home, suddenly the idea was, yeah, we don't think we need to go to a regional approach now because it struck down for the entire state. So it will be interesting to see what, if anything, happens? I mean, if this were a sitcom, this would be the point where we lock everyone in a room together until they figure it out. But I uh, I don't think that's an option in real life. Well, and if, if the legislature's position, and again, the legislature is controlled by Republicans, that both the, uh, the Assembly and the Senate, if the legislature uh, likes the way things are right now, it's in the strongest bargaining position. It doesn't have to come up with any kind of a compromise. And it's already said that the leaders of the Assembly and Senate have already said that any any compromise that would involve shutting businesses back down statewide is a non-starter. So the question is, what can the sides come up with that nonetheless uh, puts restrictions in place to maybe slow the you know slow the dial as opposed to a fl- flipping of a switch? It, it uh, uh, results in something that's a little more of a controlled reopening of things. Uh, as I said earlier, I think the real question now becomes: Can you put the cat back in the bag? And it doesn't seem particularly likely on a state level that that's going to happen. But that remains to be seen. I mean, we'll keep watching what the two sides can come up with in terms of a compromise. It is clear that in communities that do have orders still in place, they are saying, as example, city of Milwaukee is saying that they're going to keep that order in place, which keeps bars and restaurants closed other than curbside pickup and things like that until certain gating criteria are met, which, of course, raises the question, what are gating criteria? And I know, Amanda, you've been following that as part of the Badger bounce back plan. Yeah. So gating criteria, it's basically a project management technique, right, where it's saying when A is checked off, we can move to B. And when B is checked off, we can move to C. So that's the general concept of gating criteria. So the governor's plan before the state Supreme Court struck down Safer at Home, he had six metrics that the state had to meet. Now, we had met five of the six when this was struck down, leading some people to ask, okay, was it 
really that big of a deal. How close were we to meeting that last metric? But it was things like a downward trend in the percentage of positive COVID-19 cases over a 14-day period, a downward trend in people exhibiting flu-like symptoms. That was the uh, the portion that we had not yet met. Downward trend in healthcare providers uh, who were testing positive for COVID-19. So there were key th- areas there where, okay, if we meet these, that's when we can start to do the next few steps. So Milwaukee is modeling that process. Um, the, the question is, even when all the gating criteria, even when all those metrics are met, it's not like, oh, they're met, COVID-19 is done, the virus is still circulating. So as you let people start to reopen and you ease up restrictions and then suddenly we see upticks in any of those areas, what happens next? And I think that's what a lot of people were confused about. And if you look at the gating criteria that are being used statewide, as you said, we had five of the six met when the Supreme Court struck down safer at home. As of today, only three of the six are met because they are metrics that change from day to day. And and the ones that are looking for a downward trajectory over 14 days, some of those have regressed. So we're seeing that this is a fluctuating thing. So like you say, even when all six are met, does that necessarily mean this is over? Uh, Certainly it does not. What it does mean, though, is that in, say, city of Milwaukee or other places that have these, they may feel more prepared to move on to the next phase of their order, which doesn't go from everything closed to everything open. It's the next phase that says, okay, maybe now you can open your businesses and have a certain percentage of your normal capacity that can be there um, and or gatherings can be allowed of a certain size, say 10 people. City of Kenosha, for example, or Kenosha County, its new kickstart initiative, which is what came after they rescinded their local order, it has a phased in approach and phase one, which they are currently in, allows public gatherings of up to 10 people. And if I read it correctly, it even allows playgrounds to be open with up to 10 children playing uh, at a playground. Whether or not there's gonna be someone watching and enforcing that, I think is a whole different question. But there are certain uh, elements of these phased in approaches. You get to phase two, it might mean the gatherings can be larger, more people can be in businesses. And, and that's where a lot of these communities are gonna be tying which phase they're in to what the the the, the health uh, you know reports say and, and what these metrics show. Um, it's not clear though from community to community and county to county if those metrics and those phases are going to look alike, if they're going to look similar, if they're going to be wildly different because we have heard from both the League of Municipalities and Wisconsin Counties Association that they're not drafting model policies for everyone to follow. They also say it's really up to the local communities as to what fits them. So we will have, unless there's some sort of a statewide order that or, or agreement that comes into place, we will have a patchwork of approaches all across the state uh, in the coming days, weeks, and months. Well, and we'll be here to help everyone sort through it all. Absolutely. We will continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send an email to theinvestigators at fox6now.com. That's T-H-E investigators at fox6now.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.